Summertime is heating up at Global Voice Broadcasting. Hot music, hot talk, and hot topics. All day, every day, 24-7. You don't want to miss a minute on Global Voice Broadcasting. My name is August McLaughlin, and I've been contemplating girl boners for years. It's time for Girl Boner Radio with August McLaughlin, a spicy blend of personal stories, in-depth reporting, and inspiration. Girl Boner is where good girls go for sexual empowerment. Listen in as August McLaughlin, award-winning health and sexuality writer, explores female sexual pleasure like no one else. She's the big sister slash girlfriend you've always wanted, and she loves to talk sex. Only on Global Voice Broadcasting. Tell me if you can relate to this. You are hanging out with your partner and your stomach starts rumbling. You are hungry with a capital H and your partner is all, how about we eat in like three or four hours? Or the opposite happens. Your partner is famished, like pulling into a restaurant famished and food is nowhere near the forefront of your mind. Maybe you just ate, you know, all by yourself. Okay, maybe that was a little corny, but you probably guessed it. We are going to talk about appetite differences today of the girl boner variety. Most, if not all of us, have experienced mismatched libido at some point in our relationships. If only sex were like the movies, right? Where both partners are instantly, spontaneously overwhelmed with desire at the same moment and voila, Boners unite. Luckily, any differences in real life can be managed with some effort, and the rewards can be so wonderful. Welcome back to Girl Boner Radio, everyone. I'm your host, August McLaughlin, and while we've touched on this topic before, I'm so stoked to dig much deeper today with a wonderful expert who knows all about these issues from both personal and professional experience. After a decade and a half at Apple and Facebook, Pam left her career in high tech to found Down to There to share her real-life stories of challenges and successes around sexuality in her marriage. She believes that speaking openly about sex can help individuals and couples find new ways to renew and deepen desire and intimacy in their own relationships. She also believes in the healing power of sharing and recently launched this awesome project called Down to Their Circles. It's free, peer-led discussion groups to help friends support and inspire each other around sex and relationships. Thank you so much for joining me, Pam. How are you doing? Thanks, August. I'm doing well. You know, I hear from people about this topic. I know it's really common for people to experience low sex drive or sex drive differences. And I also know, you know, people carry a lot of shame around that. So first, just Thank you for for speaking up on on this subject. When did you first realize that sex drive differences was really an issue in your marriage? Sure. Yeah, I I think it's probably a fairly typical story. You know, I I don't recall this being um, a a concern kind of early on in our relationship. But um, as the years went by, I've been with my husband for about 20 years as time went by, um, we would just, I don't know, every six to 12 months kind of have that, you know, conversation where um, he would be like, hey, I want more sex. What can we do here? And, you know, we'd come up with some idea that would um, have an impact for a little while. So it's, it's been a long time that there's been discrepancy for us. 
And I think it's really great that you talked about it because I know that can be a, a challenge as well. Can you tell us what those conversations were like for you? <laughs> sure. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, what would what would typically happen is um, he was kind of the initiator in the relationship since I had lower desire relative to him. He would oftentimes be the one to be like, hey, you know, let's have sex or And, um, you know, I think those conversations, those hard conversations would come when he had done that a number of times and was feeling pretty rejected or, you know, I was rejecting him more than I was saying, yes, like, let's, let's go for it. And, um, and that would kind of build up, build up till, you know, real, you know, realistically, he was like, Hey, like, this is not okay. I have needs here. And, um, and, and then we would have that conversation and, and the conversation, it was stressful. Um, and, and, and I say was as if this never ever happens to me anymore, but, <laughs> but it's not like I've met, you know, waved a magic wand and now we have the same desire or anything. But, um, yeah, there were stressful conversations, um, where we'd come up with some great idea. Let's go on vacation. Um, maybe I should change my birth control. Maybe um, when our child gets older, maybe, maybe, maybe. Um, but when you're together long enough, um, you've kind of crossed all those maybes off the list. And, and then you're confronted with, uh, now what? Mm. Um, yeah. And when did you decide, did you hit a turning point or what kind of prompted you to start turning things around? <laughs> That's a good question. Um yeah, I, I find it like, you know, what's prompted you to finally get on that exercise plan that you've been able to keep? Um, it's, it feels so similar. Um, you know, it's so hard to pinpoint exactly what happened that made me realize, like, wow, like, this is make or break right now. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's real that our marriage was in jeopardy because of this, but I felt like it was. It had kind of, we'd had these conversations um, enough over the years that, um, you know, when he, when it, when it happened again, I kind of thought in my head, like, this is, this is serious. This time is more serious than the other times. Like, I really need to pay attention to this. And, and what's so funny is even though I knew how serious it had become, I still did not actually hold out a lot of hope that anything could change. Mm, that's so interesting. I've actually heard that for many people who are on the lower libido side in a partnership, they sometimes don't actually desire the desire, if that makes sense. Were you in that place yeah. where you you wanted to want to have sex or did you actually really were you actually desiring like I really want this? Um, I mean, I think I I thought, based on all the movies and media I've seen, that it would be great if I felt this kind of spontaneous desire. Because um, I mean, we had sex. Um, we weren't in a sexless marriage. We had sex and we had it. I knew that it was good. But I still just thought, like, this is the way my body is. And so with that kind of mindset, it felt really... Um, futile to try to change it or to work on it. It felt like I would do the work because I needed to show that I was willing to do the work, but I I didn't initially hold out hope that anything was, any change was possible. Mm. 
That makes a lot of sense. And I know that it has been quite an adventure for you, (laughs) which your website, your blog, it's all so wonderful. I love the way that you share uh, vulnerably and I think bravely. And I know you're helping a lot of people. And you've, you've done so many different things, which I'd love to ask you about. But what was kind of the first... Uh, actionable thing that you did? Did you start with couples therapy? Um, you know, I started with my OB. Uh, I I don't know why I started there. She was just where I went. And, um, you know, the first thing that kind of came out of her mouth was actually uh, really healing for me. I mean, I, I was, it was such a big deal to go and to tell someone I'm struggling with this. That was a really big deal to me. And, and she just kind of looked at me and she's like, yep, like the most common complaint I get. Oh, wow. And I just looked at her like, no, like you're kidding me. I've waited all this time to like come lay this in front of someone. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like that's the thing. Most, yeah. So, so many women um, are struggling with that. And I was just, I just that, that little tiny step of going to her was so relieving and and she assured me she's like no you know I've checked your hormones like this there's not really a lot like medically we can do for you and and she did refer me at that point to some therapists okay that's great that you did uh, have everything checked out physically because I know many different physical factors can cause low libido mm-hmm. and I actually was reading yesterday I know there's various studies and lots of different statistics and it's hard to study too because there's a lot of shame around it and you know, men, for example, who have low libido, they're, they're kind of expected to be sex like crazed superheroes, you know, in the media. And so I know yeah. that they won't express it. And, and women feel a lot of shame around it, too. Uh, but I did read that yesterday that roughly uh, in one study, one third of women at some point experience a really major decline or, or loss of libido. And I think that that sense of not aloneness can be really powerful. Absolutely. Yeah. Just, just hearing that, um, was definitely like a huge, at least I felt, um, normal at that point. Um, I still didn't know what change was possible, but at least I was like, okay, I'm not alone here. (laughs) Yeah. That's huge. And talking about it, like you said, really sharing and there's that sort of cathartic healing, you know, experience, especially I think talking to somebody outside of your relationship, it's really good to talk to your partner, of course, but to have that extra, you know, expert who can kind of validate your feelings and, and all of that. So from from there, somehow you've now gone into all these other adventures. So it was that gradual as well. And I'm going to ask you about specific ones. But was that like, it a was. yeah, yeah, it really was gradual. I would, if you would have told me three years ago that I would be on a podcast today called Girl Boner, I would have laughed in your face. Um, <laughs> this was, it was definitely little tiny baby steps. Um, this was, there was no lightning bolt, magic wand, um, just a bunch of little small moments. Beautiful. And one of the experiences that you had I love that you shared about this. Actually, the post was part of my uh, Beautiful Woman blog fest, the Girl Boner edition this last year. And it was a really wonderful post on stranger role play. Could you tell us a bit about that? <laughs> sure. Yeah. So um, as we did, we, we we didn't find a therapist. We ended up finding a sex and relationship coach. And um, there were so many like little kind of like little moments um, in helping me feel that this was normal and helping me kind of um, then decide 
okay, well, if, if society says women who like sex are sluts and women should be caretakers for other and put their pleasure kind of last, um, if those are the messages I was getting from society, did I actually want to believe those messages, you know, as a choiceful adult in the world? And, um, you know, when it posed to me that way, I thought, huh, no, I, you know, I don't think I actually want to believe those messages. I, I've had good sexual experiences. I wonder if I can cultivate more of those. And so, um, the, the stranger role play blog was really one of many kind of what I, put air quotes around and call research (laughs) Um, things that I've done to explore different aspects of my sexuality. And so that, that particular blog was one where, um, you know, uh, power dynamics um, was something that my husband and I were interested in playing with. Um, We're definitely like, you know, the modern couple relationship of equals. And so that has made, um, you know, one of us being more dominant or one being more submissive in a sexual experience, something that was like a little, um, uh, like scary as it's something we hadn't really played around with. And then also like we've known each other for 20 years. And so this concept of doing like a stranger role play where I would walk into a bar sit down and then have someone else come in and pick me up um, and be kind of a little bit more dominant in that, you know, personality. It was just something that really appealed to us. And and so we did. We did. We went into a bar and, and did this kind of stranger role play. I love it. I love it. And as you said, it was something that was scary. So did you feel also a lot of... Uh, excitement during what what was the kind of positive um takeaway from totally. that totally yeah i mean i i think um all of these uh quote research um things that i've done have had an element of like um fear associated with them they're definitely edgy for me um but at the same time there's kind of this realization that oh like in this case um if I can, you know, set aside some of these historical beliefs, like my husband is this way, I am this way, we can or cannot do certain things and just kind of set those aside, which the stranger kind of aspect of it really allowed us to do. Um, there are parts of me that I found were like more hidden. Um, you know, the concept that I, yeah, I could play a more submissive role or maybe that I could see my husband in a different light than I have seen him in. So those, those are some really great, um, takeaways from that. And, and like anything sexual, um, there were funny moments, you know, there was a moment where, um, he was, he had called an Uber after he picked me up at the bar and, you know, Uber know the Uber driver knows your real name. It's, it's there in the app. And yet he totally answered in his persona name. <laughs> and I was just sitting there like cracking up. I just, I was like, wow, he's so in character. I love it. It sounds like he's been really on board with you for this. Is this something that, yeah. you know, that you have really decided on together all along? Yeah, I mean, certainly this kind of this, you know, more recent uh, exploration kicked off because he sat me down and said, we have to talk about this. And so um, from that standpoint, it makes a lot of sense that he'd be on board. Um, he, he stands to gain a lot from uh, these research experiments. Um, and, but at the same time, I've really taken it to the extreme, kind of to the point you were talking about, like, it's just so helpful to hear from other women 
who are in the same boat and have this experience. Like when we were three months into coaching, I sat down and told him, like, the world needs to know about this. Other women need to know that if they're in this situation, there might be other possibilities out there. And, and I looked at him and I said, I want to write about this. And at the time, it wasn't a public blog that I was proposing. It was just kind of a Facebook, you know, post to a curated group of women. And, and I kind of thought, well, this is, I mean, I'm going to be writing about our sex life, about real challenges, um, not, you know, the pretty stuff you post on Facebook normally, um, or a lot of people post on Facebook. So this was like nitty gritty. And, uh, and I looked at him and I was like, is that okay? And he just looked right back you know, square in the eyes and said, absolutely, go for it. I love it. That's huge. I love that support is so important. And I do think you're helping so many. One of the experiences that that you had, I'm really fascinated by and I think can be really empowering. I'm such a fan of self-exploration for empowerment. I know you took a, a masturbation class. And if I understand correctly, <laughs> you you actually masturbated with other women in the same room. I did. Who does that, right? <laughs> I love it. I want to hear more. What was it like? Yeah. So, um, you know, when it comes to masturbation, I did what I think a lot of women have had experiences with, which is I learned a certain way when I was younger. I did it that way most of my life. Um, I mean, and by most of my life, I mean, like up until the last couple of years. And, and it was something I was a little ashamed of, I would say. I never like got outwardly ashamed um, in childhood about it. I just kind of knew that it wasn't something that, um, I don't know, that I should be celebrating. That's what I kind of had internalized. And so when I started down this path, um, my my coach was very much like, this is, this is going to be an inside job first. This is going to start with you. And um, so I did a lot of kind of, Wow, solo work. My husband was kind of, kind of standing by waiting, you know, and so it was a lot of like reconnecting with my sexuality through breath and through imagery and fantasy and all of these things. And, but then that's great. That's like all like my mind is helping me out here, but then there's like this actual physical thing going on. And, and, um, I had read about Betty Dodson's circles, this incredible like I don't know 86 87 years old now she started these back in the 70s and um, she's written a bunch of wonderful books on self-love and and masturbation and I read about her workshops and I learned she was still doing them and I just I don't know I read about it and I was like oh but that's not for me and so I just kind of put it on my long list of potential research experiments opportunities and I just kind of ignored it and then yeah, uh, about a year ago, I was looking at that list again, and I thought, it's time. I, I need to go to New York, and I need to uh, – the workshop's so funny. Like, day one, you walk in, like, one step into her apartment, and you take off your clothes. The workshop is done entirely in the news. Um, and day one is um, a vulva show and tell, which sounds absurd. Even as I'm saying it, I'm, like, just um, shocked at myself. Um, but – you know, the reality is, you know, like if you've got, if you've got a guy, um, he has seen, uh, his, his stuff frequently. He could pick it out of a lineup. Like he's seen other guys stuff, but with women, um, it's a little more hidden. 
And we don't walk around seeing it. It's hard to even see our own. And to have seen others is like something that most of us never do. And and it's something we give to our partner. We give to our doctor. We don't necessarily have a ton of ownership over it. So the first day we sat in a circle, like a foot away from each other, two feet away from each other, and had a mirror and a light and looked at each other's vulvas. What was that like? What did you what did you feel? Did you kind of settle into I'm sure at the beginning when you're, you know, taking off your clothes and all that. I remember the first time being naked in front of other women. It was like shocking to me at growing up in Minnesota where like we wear parkas yeah. all the time and you know, I but once you did you kind of settle into a space of we're all safe here and did you get comfortable? Absolutely. Um it's it's really surprising how fast that occurs when no one has any clothes on. Um, Clothes, you know, you start to, um, you know, create stories around each other or clothes like hold our bodies in certain ways to make them try to look certain ways. But of course, we're never like fully comfortable in them. And and you take those off and it's so clear why she does these workshops in the nude. But it it really um, brings you quickly to get to know each other in a really different way. Um, And um, appreciate the beauty of the body. Um, and it's funny. I now, anytime after this workshop, I go swimsuit, you know, shopping and I'm like, ah, the swim- like none of these swimsuits are right. Like, why can't we just all walk around naked on the beach? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Yeah. So I did. Yeah. I really settled in. Um, the nudity surprisingly helped for that. And it's just, it's, um, it's crazy, but you know, Betty's sitting there. She kind of has these, you know, up next to her so she can describe in detail each vulva and um, she just has such love um, for the female body and talks about you know this design and that design and this hairstyle and this color and she's just so the love pouring out of her you can't help but absorb it for yourself she's amazing that is so beautiful what what an incredible experience and so after you've had the show and tell and all of that, whereas you also did different kinds of activities. Were you learning different masturbation <laughs> techniques? Yes. Activities is a great way of putting it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So after we've gotten all, all, um, uh, day one is complete. We come back for day two and, um, yeah, she has a, a business partner, Carlin that she works with. And, um, you know, you get right into it on day two. She's like, here is a vibrator here is a dildo. We're going to show you how to use these things. And um, then here's some lube and we're all going to sit in a circle. And you're kind of, I mean, you're kind of laying back and down. So it's not like you're intently looking at each other, but, um, and, and the idea is to just explore, um, you know, for the sake of pleasure and learning about your body and trying different things. You know, it's not something any of us, I think, had ever done before. It seemed super foreign and scary. But at the same time, it's like, why don't we do this? Like, why don't we learn about all the different ways to give ourselves pleasure and therefore be able to teach our partners or to do when we don't have partners? Um, It's really... I don't know, coming out of the experience, it, it kind of, I know it's not for everybody, but I'm kind of like, yeah, like everyone should do this. It's not a big deal. Yeah, I agree. I think 
we should all be encouraged to explore. And you said the the point was exploration. So was it different not having this? Because I feel like for many of us, I know for me, when I'm masturbating, it's it's a lot of times to get off. Like you're trying to orgasm yeah. and that is the goal. And so it sounds like maybe that was, was that sort of off the table and did that change the experience for you? Um, you know, I think Betty loves orgasms and she would love for everyone to have as many as they um, possibly want. And so, um, sure, there was, um, you know, you are welcome to have orgasms here or as many orgasms as you like are, are welcome. Um, but at the same time, um, I, I don't think you can expect in an experience like that um, that is so new and so um, intense. Um, I, I don't know about you, but like anytime I try a new way of masturbating, I may not be successful in like su- quote, successful in having an orgasm the first time. It doesn't take away the fact that it's really pleasurable, um, which was actually my experience. Like when we were laying down, um, I was really, I'd never used um, the magic wand, which is what she had there. I've never used anything like that before. And so it was kind of like, whoa, like this is an interesting experience. And um, really pleasurable, but I didn't orgasm at that point. Um, and then they led us through something that they called a pillow hump, which is just kind of, you know, a different position in a different way. And, and, and I had an orgasm, which was, which was fantastic, but it's certainly not expected in the circle. And how long was this like, like orgasm masturbation camp, or is this like a, like a few hours? <laughs> I tried to picture Yeah, what does she call it? She calls it, um, erotic recess. Okay. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it was, Gosh, it's so funny. Time doesn't seem super relevant in that space, but I'm guessing it was probably a couple hours with like a strawberry break in between kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. And speaking of masturbation and touch and our sensations, I know you've also learned quite a lot about penis pleasure and penis <laughs> polishing class I saw on your website. I'm so curious. Oh my gosh. Ta- I know. I know. <laughs> I have to tell, I have to tell your listeners, like if they go to the blog, like start at the beginning, cause some of these things are like these crazy experiences I'm doing now. And like, trust me, I did not start here, but I am much more comfortable with these things now. And and realizing like sex ed was just about like abstinence education and FBI protection and, and not like, you know, the mechanics of awesome sex. And so I'm really enjoying, um, I live in the Bay area and there are uh, incredible workshops with demos, you know, live demos with people doing things to people. And, um, a, a recent one that I went to was, uh, yeah, called polishing the penis. And I think it's like mind blowing techniques for erotic massage, um, so it was not an oral class, it was manual. Um, and yeah, there was, um, a male and female instructors and, uh, the female, basically the, the goal of the workshop was to show us a bunch of different techniques. At least I kind of thought that's what the goal of the workshop was. And what I took away was entirely different. Um, cause actually I love giving hands out. It's definitely something that I have enjoyed even, even in my, you know, less exploratory years. That's something that I've really enjoyed. And so I thought, okay, like I'll see if there's any techniques I don't know about. But in watching this woman um, massage this man, I noticed she just had this like super intense, like confident energy. Um, and And as I was watching her even, I was like, oh yeah, like I do that. Like I'm super into it. 
like I do what she's doing. And it was only at home later after the workshop when I was giving my husband a hand job um, in the shower. It happened to be at that time. And in my mind, again, I'm thinking, oh, I'm so enjoying this. I'm loving it. So great. But I realized that like my the words I was saying, or in fact, in this case, not really saying, and the way that my body was moving and my like, you know, eye contact with my husband um, was not the same as hers. Um, mine was so much more subdued and internally experienced as opposed to outwardly demonstrated to my partner, like this enthusiasm and confidence and pleasure that I was taking and giving him a hand job was like, like five shades paler than, you know, what I had seen her demonstrate in class. Um, so it was really eye-opening for me, really eye-opening. And the stuff that, like, I don't know, you just don't get from um, normal life. Interesting. That is really fascinating, that that, that confidence and, and, and also the surprising takeaways. I think that's one of the beautiful things about trying new things is you just never really know what will happen. Uh, I'd love to hear kind of how your own sex drive, so the the issues that kind of led you into this journey, I know has become only one, you know, piece and you're doing so much more, but how has your relationship with your own sexuality and your libido changed through this process? Yeah, uh, it's a great question. Um, I think that uh, libido was something that um, was always kind of brewing under the surface for me. Uh, but I had a lot of things going on in life that were, um, uh, kind of preventing that, um, energy or that drive from surfacing. And so I, I've done a few things. Um, I've definitely gained a ton of skills in terms of kind of stoking that fire of desire. Uh, so, you know, I know that even something as simple as just stopping, um, in uh, like when I just step out of the car and I notice it's a really sunny day and it's, you know I love sun, um, or if I like just got that like perfect cup of coffee, um, I used to kind of maybe let those moments pass me by a little bit too much, and so I've learned to kind of just stop in that moment and to like really soak them in, not just like to my head or to my heart, but like all the way down to my vulva and to like say like that's good I really like that um and it sounds I don't know I, I grew up in the midwest but I'm in California and even as I'm saying I'm like oh that's so new agey or spiritual or something but but it's it's real you know I I have a greater appreciation and an ability to throughout my day notice those moments where my desire is present Sometimes it's just in the form of like raw pleasure. Sometimes it's, you know, someone attractive that passes by. And before I kind of would have been like, oh, they're attractive, but I'm not, my brain's just not going to let me go any further than that. And now like, I'll let it go. Like in my head, no one knows I'm doing it, but I'll just kind of like let, again, let that kind of, you know, those embers of desire that are sitting there all the time kind of get a little bit of, you know, a little bit of fanning. Mm, giving yourself permission. I love that to let go and to explore. And yeah. that's that's really beautiful. You wrote that 
not desiring sex was the best thing that ever happened to you and continues to scare the crap out of you, which I thought was so powerful. <laughs> what did you mean by that? Yeah, um, you know, I don't think that uh, my husband and I would have reached the um, new levels that our relationship is currently in if we had not had these challenges around sexuality. Um, and so I'm really grateful for that. Um, there are times when it feels really hard, and that's the scary part because I think before I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't desire what I had never thought to desire. And so, you know, I kind of envisioned this like roller coaster that, you know, those like wooden roller coasters where you're tick, tick, ticking up and then there's like a little fall down and then like you're tick, tick, ticking up. And I feel like, like our connection and our intimacy is kind of, you know, just up and plateau, up and plateau. And in those plateaus or the little things are down are the scary parts. It's like, oh my gosh, like, are we, like, what's going on here? We're redefining things. We're realizing we don't know each other as well as we thought we knew each other. Um, and, you know, each of those challenges is scary. And then coming through on the other side, which is often what my blog stories are, it's some challenge we had and then, you know, what happened as we worked through that. Um, it's a really good place on the other side. And it's um, something that wouldn't have been possible without the challenge. It's very inspiring. And I'm so grateful that you share. And beyond sharing on your blog, I know you've started these wonderful circles to open up more communication. <laughs> Could you tell us more about the down to there circles? Yeah, yeah. So um, after I started blogging publicly. I'd done that private blog on Facebook for a while, and then I realized men weren't part of this conversation, and and this impacts them too. Um, either they have low libido or partners with low libido, and so I started blogging publicly, and kind of as I was doing that, um, some girlfriends reached out and were like, we, this can't just be an online conversation or a one-way conversation. We need to get together and have a dialogue about this. We need to get, like, let's go to the park <laughs> and let's talk about sex. And I, I kind of was like, whoa, like, they really want to do this. And so we started meeting a group of women, and I, I started with four women. We now have a group of 100 women. Um, at any given meeting, maybe 15 show up, but they're women who just have gotten together for a while to talk about sex, and, and we don't share advice. Um, it's not about that. We can get that from all sorts of Cosmo articles and other great sources. Um, but, but it's really about sharing our experiences because when we do that, we're like, oh, we're not alone. And that person's got success over here. Maybe I can be inspired by that. And so anyways, after doing that for a year with this group of women, I just felt really selfish keeping that awesome uh, conversation to myself and so decided to based on the kind of better conversations we'd had, I put together a bunch of materials where anyone out there, woman or man, um, uh, or gender queer, um, who is interested in um, having that conversation with their friends, I kind of have curated some topics and conversations um, to have. So it's just free content that's available. We've got 20 circles running right now across the country, even a couple internationally, and, um, and gearing up towards um, taking feedback from those circles and providing a whole new set of content um, in September. So I'm really excited about them. And if anyone's interested, they can reach out to me. Fantastic. And they would reach out to you on your website? Yeah, uh, Pam at downtothere.com. My website's www.downtothere.com. Um, either way, perfectly fine. 
Awesome. And before I let you go, I would love to hear what's one piece of advice that you'd offer someone who's listening who is struggling with feeling like they don't have much sex drive and they're feeling a bit alone and not sure what to do next? Yeah, um, I'd say two things. One, you are totally normal. You're not alone. And two, um, you are worthy of pleasure. Uh, whatever's keeping you uh, from from taking the pleasure that you deserve in life, um, yeah, see what you can do about that and, and take more pleasure. Beautiful. Thank you so much for joining me, Pam. Thanks so much, August. It was, it was a great time. So, so fantastic. Make sure you go to downtothere.com and check out Pam's wonderful writing and her stories and her circles. She's a wonderful resource. And I so agree. We can learn so much by talking with our friends about our sexuality and really embracing. I loved what she said about you know, really allowing herself to fantasize and to feel that arousal that's under the surface, because I think it's so easy to let that fall to the wayside and to really embrace that and to, to embrace that pleasure is so, so important. We have a related question, a wonderful question from a listener named Marianne, who asked this of, of both me and Dr. Megan. She wrote, hi, August. I love Girl Boner and especially related to Dr. Megan's advice about menopause the other week. Please thank her for that. She mentioned use it or lose it. And I am afraid I might be losing it as in my ability to have or even want great sex. I haven't been sexual in about three years. I went through a difficult divorce and menopause all at once. I'm on estrogen therapy, which has helped my night sweats, but I still don't really care about sex and feel like I should apologize for that ugh. I'm dating someone new who respects that I want to move slowly, but I haven't yet told him that I have virtually no desire for sex. Zip. Cuddling, sure, but more sigh. I suppose my question is, will my girl boner come back with practice or might it be lost for good with love, Marianne? Marianne, this is such an important and brave question. Thank you for sharing it. Here is what Dr. Megan had to say. Marianne, thanks for this question. Um, and, you know, I think it's important that, you know, you recognize that many women um, can experience low or little desire uh, for many different reasons. Um, certainly, historically, menopause can impact um, one's sexual response, uh, you know, hot flashes, all those things that make us uncomfortable, as well as, you know, the uh, going through a significant divorce. It's sort of great to know that, uh, you know, there's even a part of your body that likes to cuddle because, again, I always say the biggest sex organ is our mind. And I think, again, you're not getting the physiological sort of horniness, in a sense, uh, inputs. And I think that, you know, first of all, if we look at bell curve distribution, certainly women typically have less sort of spontaneous desire and more of what we call receptive or responsive desire. It's in the context of being with a partner and getting, you know, feeling connection and one's mind sort of turned on that the body sort of gets responsive uh, and you start to get sort of blood flow and um, start to feel sensations and the desire sort of builds from the fact that it feels good in your body. Uh, that being said, it's certainly true that we want to rule out um, that you speak into your gynecologist, uh, because for some women, there could be sort of an androgen testosterone or DHEA deficiency. There could be, as you know, sort of estrogen deficiencies and sounds like supplementations helping you um, in that regard. But there could also be, we want to rule out thyroid abnormalities or any pituitary, pituitary abnormalities. Um, and just sort of recognize that 
with or without medical intervention, again, how to get your head into the right space. So I have two books as resources that I would recommend. Um, the first one is Rekindling Desire by Emily and Barry McCarthy. Um, and the other one is Emily Nogasiki's book, Come As You Are. I think those are both great uh, resources. And I'd also say that um, if you want to throw August... Um, your email or email me at uh, Great Life, Great Sex. I'd be happy to give you a copy of my own sort of program on rekindling desire um, because there's sort of worksheets and sort of actionable things um, in a sort of time-limited way that hopefully helps you get sort of your mind working for you versus against you. I think the fact that you're open and receptive is the best place to start. And now you can, uh, again, go to your gynecologist, rule out the medical aspects and, you know, actively be focusing on sort of the before play, sort of turning yourself on long before, you know, the guy that you're dating even enters the room. And actually, as I heard myself say that, there's also a great new sort of sex toy the Fiera, F-I-E-R-R-A. Um, it uses more suction versus uh, vibration. And this one is actually a hands-free device. And it sort of pulsates. And again, creating the sensations of pleasure in your body is a great way to jumpstart, kick in sort of your desire response. Um, so have fun, start to play. Again, if the before play, the Fiera or the Womanizer is also sort of a pulsating device, try vibrators, other sex toys, G-spot stimulation. I think, again, keeping that inner pilot light on and keeping your mind in a sexy place is a great way of, you know, basically coming from a cold engine. So sort of keeping it on a low simmer. So that's what I want you to think about is how do you mentally sort of create those conditions that keeps you on simmer? I want to hear how it goes. Thank you so much, Dr. Megan. Everyone, check out more from Dr. Megan at greatlifegreatsex.com. Marianne, I hope that was helpful. I would just add that, first of all, again, I think you're a badass. I think it's amazing that you are thinking about these things and allowing yourself to be vulnerable and sharing in this way. And that you've also let your partner know that you want to move slowly. I think that's great. And if he's being respectful of that, you know, knowing that you can still communicate even deeper about sexual desire as you move along. But I think also as both Dr. Megan in suggesting the toy and also Pam iterated about really owning your own sexuality and your pleasure first and allowing yourself to reconnect with with you and reconnect with your girl boner and, and knowing that, yeah, it's still there and it's still a beautiful part of you and whatever brings you pleasure, whatever you can find and explore. I'm sure those books will be helpful. I'll share links in the follow-up blog post as well. And do let us know how it goes. For all sorts of spectacular intimacy products, including lube, toys, and other goodies that can help you either reignite desire or enhance what's already awesome in your bedroom. Hop on over to thepleasurechest.com or click their ad on my website, augustmclaughlin.com. While you're there, be sure to sign up for email updates for occasional news and extras. I have a really fun Girl Boner surprise coming to my subscribers very soon. If you're enjoying Girl Boner Radio, I hope you'll subscribe on iTunes and leave us a simple review while you're there. Thank you so very much for listening and have a beautiful girl boner embracing week.